Warning, the Grow Your Salon Fast Show contains content that may offend. The hosts don't care. If you want to grow your salon fast, keep listening and find out more at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. But for now, here's your hosts, Vagar Svanberg and Kat Smith. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show. This is episode 48 of the Grow Your Salon Fast Show, and this is me, Kat, uh, the Q queen bitch of everything and with me i have as usual in norway Vigard. how are you Vigard? hello i'm good how are you <laughs> i'm all right thanks mm. i'm good what have you been up to uh well what have i been up to i've been up to loads of things i've um do you remember the beast from the east Earlier. The beast from the east was that the uh, the big uh, weather system that went through all yeah. of Eastern Europe uh, and yeah. then hit the UK with a nasty force and everyone was very yeah. cold for a long time. Exactly. Yes, I do. Yes. I wasn't there, but uh, yeah, do you know, I heard about it. Do you know what we have now? Uh, the mild mannered uh, mouse from the house. No, we have the African heat. The African heat is that what they named it? The transformation period from from winter to summer was like three days. So it went from the beast from the east to African heat in just a few days. And what does it's, that it's mean? It's almost as hot here as it is. Oh, well, this, is, your, this is this is my traditional weather report, of course, but <laughs> it's almost as hot here as it is at your place. I, I guess you're probably... I, I would seriously doubt that. What, and 47 I, degrees well, again? Let's prove it. How much? 47 degrees over there? Yeah, it's approximately 47 degrees oh, Celsius. It? Plus ninety five percent humidity, so oh, it feels okay, like sixty okay. two. <laughs> you always have to be the worst. Oh, I win. Yeah, I win yeah. but it's at least yeah, well, it's twenty five degrees. It's summer. It's summer in May in fucking Norway. Great. Well, Great. why are you moaning? I'm not moaning. I was going to tell you something about that because that reminded me of something. Because right. there's a weather system now which brings warm air from Africa to Norway, right? But that sometimes happens in the winter as well. So when we got snow, the snow sometimes turns uh, red or gets a red glow because sand from Sahara is transported to Norway through the air. (laughs) So the snow glows red. Isn't that fascinating? We should redo this podcast and just say the weather report. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but isn't that fascinating? You love science, don't you? I do love science. I love yeah. science a lot. I think science is amazing. Very amazing. Um, yeah, and I did my degree in science as well, <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, red red snow, that's uh, that's quite phenomenal. But you heard about even. yellow snow, haven't you? I do know about the yellow snow. You just don't eat it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not lemon I, ha- I have a friend. We were, we were out and he uh, went home and when he woke up the next day, he discovered that he lost his shoes. And as he was drunk and as it was winter, he could just, you know, he could just backtrace his footsteps. So he went okay. out and he saw that the footsteps came, footsteps came from the garden. He hadn't followed the road. He just walked straight through the garden, which was rather uh-huh. snowy. And then he found his shoes <laughs> lined up and then he found a yellow hole in front of the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> So he's taking his shoes off to piss. <laughs> he, he probably had a piss and then just taken his shoes off and just walked barefoot inside the house. Put on his shoes and walked off. <laughs> Lovely. Really yeah. nice. Well, I've had so, a bit of drama in my house this week. Okay. So uh, I had a snake. 
I had a snake in the house. I heard rumours of that. I had a a big 1.5 metre long poisonous snake come to visit me. What snake was it? It was, um, we don't know, I don't know what it was because there's a bit of a lost in translation going on with the uh, pest control guys who are from another country. heard of camera. Um, But um, yeah, they said very venomous, ma'am. I said, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and being a Kiwi, we don't have snakes in New Zealand. We have very little that can kill us in New Zealand. There's uh, one spider that lives on the beaches that doesn't really like people. So it's very, very rare to get a a bite from the Katapo spider, which is the only venomous one there. Um, So I don't know what it's about Kiwis. It's just a little bit blasé because... We don't think, we don't stop and think that something could be dangerous. We say, oh, that's interesting, no, and, we, and we're way. curious about it. Yeah, yeah so, so we're standing there looking at it, and we're trying to get close and have a proper look, and the man, man's going, back, get back, get back. But how, how, yeah, how poisonous are we talking then? Well, poisonous in the fact that a small child would probably die very quickly, okay. um, and an adult would take a bit longer. But as far as I'm aware, there's very little antivenim here. Um, and if you found a hospital quick enough to, to that had it, you might be dead already. So, okay. yeah, so not that great. And these these three guys, these um, big men, they were, uh, who do pest control and deal with all these these issues, they were terrified of it. They were really nervous. Mm. They were backing off and they were their little things up. But, you know, they didn't really have the tools to deal with it. They had a – do you know what a squeegee mop is? No. No, so squeegee, what I call a squeegee mop, um, and probably some people in the States will know, is a, um, is a rubber strip that you use to take the water off the car oh, windscreen. Yeah. Yeah. So when you rub it on, you yeah. Squeegee, yeah. squeegee it off. It's called a squeegee. Yeah. So I had this big one on a long stick. It was, we've got it here for our windows. And they had the snake was under a pot plant. So it had gone out of the corridor of our house. They'd flushed it out with a hose because it was in the wall and they'd flushed it out and it had shot under a pot plant outside. Um, and as they lifted the pot plant up, they it came and attacked them, attacked towards them. So they put the squeegee mop down on it so they trapped it. And it was rearing up and it was biting the, the, the handle of the mop and it was biting the mop itself. Um, and then they had this uh, steel rod that just stuck through his head, basically, which is very nice. Um <laughs> But it was, and that's all they had. That was their tools for catching snakes. It wasn't very professional, what I thought was very professional, but they had whatever came to hand. Um, and they were squealing like like little girls. It was hilarious. Are you, sure, are you sure that was a proper pest control company? Wow. Well, it was the pest control company that was sent to us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can't confirm or nor deny. <laughs> uh, but they did say that they'd seen a snake like that before and they had one in the office in a jar and... Obviously, did they had a snake uh, in the office in a jar? Well, they collect different species so they know what is around um, okay. various areas. Yeah, but it wasn't obviously in formaldehyde and and dead. Um, but yeah, they they said, oh, we've got one like this, so we don't need this one. Um, but my daughter was really uh, devastated because she wanted to keep it as a pet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure she did. Perhaps not a good idea. But tell me, are there loads of snakes around your house? No, well, no. This is the um, second snake they've seen in about five or six years. Um, just happens to be that this house was the same house that the snake was on six years ago. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but they were saying because of the lot of the area is being redeveloped and there's lots of building work going on, construction, yeah. the habitat the has been disturbed, so they're kind of coming in, and that that makes sense. Oh. Um, 
And they said, you but shouldn't anyway, be I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to where did you, how, how did you discover the snake? Where did you find it? Well, <laughs> well my maid, I have a maid. My maid. A slave, you mean? Me. My maid, my maid came and called me and said, "Ma'am, ma'am, come and see, come see." And I was like, "What? What? What is it?" Um, and she uh, had come out where her room was. There's a doorway into the outside and a corridor, and it had come th- into the corridor and reared up at her, and then sh- and then got scared and run so slithered back into the hole in the wall. That there was yeah, like a, there wasn't a hole in the wall. There was just a gap between the door frame and the wall. And who got in there? Um, and I could see its tail poking out. I said, what is it? She says, snake. <laughs> and she's from Sri Lanka, so she knows what a snake is. And she wasn't too worried, but she was like, yeah, it just came up at me. So it was by sheer chance and sheer chance that she was, you know, that it decided not to attack her. It must have got a fright when it saw her come into the corridor and then and go away again. So that's how we found it. And luckily it was her and, and not not Helena or uh, anybody else or the cats or something. You think Helena was a kid? I think she may have tried to maybe grab it or I don't know. She probably wouldn't have. I, I guess um, evolutionarily we have that reptilian brain, don't we, that says danger, stand still or danger, I'm run. Sure. <clears throat> if Steve Irwin was still alive, he would probably just, you know, picked it up from the tape or something and just <laughs> talk to it. Oh, look at this beautiful snake. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's, that was the highlight of my, my week. Right. So um, we've been on snake patrol since then. They uh, sprayed a little bit of, uh, dropped a little bit of powder all around the villa. They said yeah. this will keep them out. They don't like the smell of it. It's called, guess what it's yeah. called? Guess what the powder is called? Yeah. Guess what name they've given this? <laughs> it's called s- snake out. <laughs> With a big exclamation well, mark. does it work? Snake out. Get your snake out here. It sounds like a really bad uh, does it work? Editorial. Apparently, I haven't seen one since. So. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> oh. So my my ant problem gets really small then compared to your snake. Oh, your ant. We're not doing really talk about ant problem. But what we are going to talk about today? So put my snake aside. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my snake aside as well. Put my snake away. Um, as we've been doing a survey, haven't we? So we've been sending uh, in various posting in various places about. Uh, salon owners to fill in the survey and yep. it asks them various things about um, themselves and their salon and and their marketing and what they you know their challenges are and that rest of it and we've had a lot of responses and I was just looking through them um, and I noticed that we ask a question about who what who what does your ideal client look like or so what is your the client that you love the most in your salon um, and what I was surprised about was how little information is given by uh, salon owners when it comes to their ideal clients. So there might be one line or might be two lines, but a lot of them have put things like they pay on time and they're really happy yeah. or they do what I want to, they want them to do. But it doesn't really give an answer to who their ideal client is, you know, any their demographics, what they like, what they dislike, their beliefs, their values, any of that. Um, and that is one major issue salon owners have when it comes to marketing. Is if you don't know who you're marketing to, you might as well just pack up and go home. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And why do you think that is, Vigard? Why don't, don't they know, know you mean? 
Yeah. Why, if you don't know your ideal client, why are you shooting yourself on your foot? Well, if you don't know your ideal client, you don't know who to who you're going to target. So that makes it kind of a turns the whole thing into a scattergun approach. We have to target everyone. And you, we talked about in the last episode. We talked about the hustle about getting new clients in all the time. And um, I think you want to talk to a particular client because if you don't, then you uh, talk to everyone. And when you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. So I think that's the reasoning behind knowing knowing which client you want. But then it's about you know. Uh, secondary reasons like uh, what kind of client do you really want what are you good at uh, which clients fit your profile and the rest of it yep so you're right you're wasting your time if you're you doing that scattergun approach or what they call spray and pray you know sending out your message to all and sundry because not everyone is your ideal client yeah. if you don't um if you don't want people who come in and, and and query the price or argue with you or not going to do what you ask them to yeah. do when it comes to caring for their hair, nails or skin or whatever it is that you're doing, then they're not your ideal client. And oh. why put the effort into trying to attract that person to sell them when you don't want to deal with them? You're listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Remember to sign up for the podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. I'll give a few examples of uh the kind of answers we got when we asked the question and the question is describe your dream customer or client and let me just give me you four or five replies we got there so one was faithful and trusting nice and respectful <laughs> uh pre-books after developing relationship with student i don't know what that means open to the training atmosphere refers friends uh, open and willing to try new things. That sounded a bit, you know. Um, an affluent woman age 30 to 40. That's kind of the typical answer. That's getting there, yep. That's yeah. kind of getting there. It's a start. I, I like the one, the, the one about willing to try new things. I think, do you know what? I think willing to try new things though is more a wish on the stylist part than the uh, client's <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, but none of those really... It's great if people, you get bored if you're doing the same thing over and over again and, and you want to get your, sink your teeth into doing something creative. But then again, if that's what you want to do, then you're going to have to track the type of clients that want to change all the time. Um, and they are not the type of clients who... And they're not the same clients who want an, uh, the same thing every single time. They're different kettle officials together, aren't they? Common theme amongst those responses we got, at least, is that no one has really described their... Their ideal client they haven't described them just given nice. listed a couple attributes and but they haven't really described who their ideal client is and you can have and it's important to say that you can have more than people find this difficult sometimes this this um, exercise because uh, well i got i got i got many kinds of ideal clients and that's true because you can have several ideal clients but you need to have a clear picture of who they are and what maybe yeah. And that's more about behavior than anything else, you know, how, how you want them to behave. And that's actually, they're loyal and faithful and, and all those things and they refer other people to, that sort of thing. That's all about you training them. That's not who they are to start with. So that it, um, if you're looking at your ideal client, what you need to be looking at is um, what their buttons, the buttons that you can press to get them to come in to your salon so they're all about emotions their beliefs their values 
you know why they shop where they shop what magazines they read where they go on holiday what um you know uh, do they believe in charity what charities are they what um what are their secret fears you tap into things that will help you give your message across so you attract that type of person so if they believe that um the world is too full of plastic and they um um, will only use organic products then that's the target market that you're going for then you're going to be selling them to organic products but you're also going to be talking to them in the way it's like well you know we don't do plastic we don't we recycle everything we have a zero a tolerance policy on you know anything that comes in a plastic tube and that will tap into the emotion of why they believe what they believe and why they'll come and shop with you so that becomes your ideal client so it's like it's called an avatar um, and i've described it to sell owners who have worked with a, of saying okay we well, need to sit down and just have to describe someone their uh, personality and everything the type of person that you would like to deal with and the best way to do it is to sit down with your team of a evening when the salon's closed have a few drinks and start <laughs> to talk about the people that you like in your salon and why you like them and what makes you like them what makes them likable and what makes yeah. them good clients and then also talk about the clients that you hate. And alcohol-induced strategy session. Alcohol-induced setting, and where everyone's tongue is loosened, um, and there's you know everything is on show, um, and there's no holds barred. And you talk about the people you hate as well, so the people you don't want in your salon. And often what you find is that the people you don't want, the exact opposite of them are the people that you do want, and that can sometimes be easier because we always find it easier to talk about the things we don't like more than we like things yeah, that we, we like. Yeah. And another thing so, you'll find, yeah, sorry. No, that's good. Go. Yeah. Another <laughs> thing you'll probably find, people find this all the time, is that when you describe your ideal clients, you will sit down and you read through what you've just written and then you will think, well, hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's a reason for that and it's a psychological reason that we like people who are like ourselves um, and we attract people who are like ourselves because like attracts like and um and we trust people who are like ourselves so if the people are completely opposite to us they don't become very we're not friendly with them really you know things that we don't agree with or don't believe in or the way they you know they do things we're not going to cozy up to them and have a relationship I'm, I'm with the them i'm the opposite i'm really friendly against people i don't like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think so <laughs> If you if you can't stand dealing with someone, you're not going to have them. You know, you're going to sit there and enjoy their company and chat to them and. Why have would it you? I mean, why would you want? To, yeah, let me put it put it, turn turn it around. Why would you want to invite someone into your salon or clinic or whatever you do if you don't like them? Why do you want to stand there or spend time on working with people you don't like? It's much better to you know attract the people you like. This is a probably stems from the uh, scarcity mindset where you think that you. You know, you have to get everyone in because everyone's equal and you need to make an income. And it's the hustle. And we talked about that in the last episode. We talked hustle. about the more long-term yeah. thinking. So it's about, yeah, but you know, it's, if you can shift to a more long-term approach, I mean, we're not talking about ditching all the clients you don't like right now. If you need the income, that's not what we're Oh, you could, because that would you be could. a kick up the ass to find the you ones could. you want. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not trying to scare everyone off the podcast. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, at least if you, if you implement some sort of lang, lang, long-term uh, strategy, which sounds really boring, but at least describe your client and then start talking to those people specifically. If you 
you know, if you're really good at doing something or you like one particular client or whatever, just talk to them and you will attract them. Yeah. And and you'll probably find this already if you looked at the your top clients, the ones that spend the most money with you, spend the most time with you, who who you like the most, there'll be twenty percent of your clients who are like this. And they will be the your an idea of who your ideal client is. And they'll have common traits. There'll be some a lot of similarities between them. Um and you can start there. If you're stuck and you think, Oh, I don't know, start with your top clients and say, Okay, what is it about them that I like? What is it about them that makes them an ideal client to come into the salon? And then you can start sending your message out to people like them. Do you celebrate Pentecost? Um, as an atheist? No. <laughs> no, but do you, do, you, do you, you know, have you traditionally, has your country traditionally celebrated Pentecost in the sense of... Uh, as an atheist country? Or... New Zealand's an atheist country? No. <laughs> okay. But in all words, we, have, we basically take a few days off. So we're doing that now. So what 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 is it? What is it? I don't know. Hmm? Never heard of this. What is it? Pentecost. Uh, it's just a Christian celebration. But never mind that. What I was going to do is oh. I was going to relate it to your ideal client. As you know, I have a broadband company, and on Friday, on Friday during the holidays, uh, we got an email from someone who was furious that his broadband wasn't working, and he said that. Look, it's Pentecost and everyone is, uh, you know, using the broadband and staying at home, so this has to work. You know how long it took us to fix this broadband during the holidays? A few seconds. 20 minutes. It took us 20, 20 minutes from his first point of contact until it was back online. Right. So I wrote <clears throat> and he, he found that service appalling and then I had to email him back. And I just said, look, if you think that during out of opening hours and during, you know, on a holiday, you think that 20 minutes is too long, then, then sorry, I think we're the wrong provider for you. Right, and what did that's he say? Because he, he, he flagged so clearly that he's not an ideal client. Clients mm. like that, they are from hell. And they get, get, you know, get you into all sorts of problems. You, you get annoyed, you, you think about them, you're, you're, you know, they, they create this, this awful negative atmosphere. And it's the same in your salon. You only need one or two of those clients for the whole atmosphere to change. So, I mean, it's in your best, it's in your interest to repel those and to attract your more ideal clients, those who understand uh, the value of what you give and who respect you and respect your stylists or, or whatever you do. You yeah. yeah. So it's a bit like the snake, repel the snake, get them out of here. We yeah. don't want them in there. Um, but I think the takeaway from this would be sit down, get drunk, have a bitch sesh and uh, really get it out. Because actually what you also find is if you do this with your stylist or with your staff, um, they will appreciate it because there'll be people that they don't like at all and there'll be people that and there'll be things that people do that really annoy them and you'll start to learn from you about your staff more as well yeah. about what uh, pushes their buttons so that you can sort of prevent that from happening um and it's usually it's usually clients that do it i've also found that uh, while talking to people i can change uh, employee or staff's uh, perception perception about clients if I have staff who don't like clients of some reason they, they just decide that they don't like this person and then we sit talking about that client and I actually find that that client is actually on the ideal clients list it's just that they they 
got off with a sort of a wrong start. They have a clash. Relation, yeah, so, yeah, some sort of that. So if we get to talk about it, they actually realise that, well, he's not behaving uh, in a difficult way. He's just... Uh, well, uh, I don't have a good example right there, here yeah. now, but, but yeah, but but I've had, yeah. I've had so that numerous times. That, there, yeah. yeah. But so. and here's the here's the thing. So if you can get your ideal client sorted out, the same process is true for your ideal staff member. Um, and if you have an idea of who your ideal client is, and your staff member has an, a, another view of who their ideal client is, if they don't mesh, you can have major conflict with that staff member. Because if you are someone who, you know, your ideal client is, is a you know a wealthy woman who likes her blonde highlights done every six weeks, and it has to be done just so, and it's the same pattern each time, and it's dreadfully dull, but it's it's very good income and it's regular and what have you. And you've got a, a stylist who is just wanting to do creative colors um, and do, uh, you know, avant-garde hairstyles, which is fine. They are not going to mesh with your ideal client and your salon or the type of, of clients you attract. Um, so they're not going to have a very good time. Their agenda is going to be completely different to your agenda. They're going to create conflict. You're not going to have a staff member for very long. And perhaps they shouldn't have been employed in the first place. So that's the kind of thing that you can do in terms of making sure that your ideal clients match your ideal staff member at the same time. So there's no conflict going on. There you go. There's a second piece of value for you from this podcast. So I think I'm going to wrap it up right there. Wow. So what we yeah. want you to do now is go away and rate us and review us. So if you like the podcast, if you didn't like the podcast, if you think we're talking through a hole in our ass, which we might be, go and tell us so do that um, on the Grow Your Salon Fast Show.com. Go to episodes and leave us a review. So you can listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher, or you can download the MP3 from the website. But also, if you um, have any queries or you've got an issue or you're looking for something that just want to set your salon apart from everybody else, go and apply for a private podcast because um, it's a huge resource that you could be using to get some information directly related to you and your situation it's very unique you tell us what um, your problem is we come up with solutions for you we give you all the tools you can use to help you with um, implementing that it's not hard usually it might take a little bit of work but it's usually quite easy and um, the results are usually um, quite uh, significant and very fast so you can do that by applying for a podcast at the grow your salon fast show.com forward slash private podcast so go and do yes. that now and also uh, uh i'd like uh, people to invite people to go and take our survey you can find that too on the grow your salon fast show.com three calls to action yeah. marketing <laughs> yeah. heresy isn't it it is marketing heresy okay <laughs> so on that note happy night we've done something terribly naughty we're going to leave you there and speak to you next week take care You've been listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Share and sign up for your podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com.